Hello and welcome to Tech Demand Weekly with me, Charles Commons. On this episode, I'm finding out about something completely new to me, and it's possible that it is new to you as well. If you just think of yourself as a digital marketer, you know, you're going to think of yourself as executing in channels and crafting strategy and all that. If you think of yourself as an insight broker, sure, you have to do that other stuff well, but hopefully you're thinking of yourself more as the value you create is very different than just performance. Jeff Allen has 20 years of digital marketing experience, which started at an email platform company before moving to the agency side. Aside from running the day-to-day at Hannapin, a digital marketing agency, he oversees the popular industry blog PPC Hero and conference series Hero Conf. To start our chat, I asked Jeff what an insight broker is. So one thing that I think clients want and you know, bosses want if you're in-house is someone who cares as much as they do about the business. And the, the, the important part of that is it's not just about like performance. They care that you're always obsessing over performance or they care about the volume of levers you're pulling or work you're doing and all of that. The, the real way they understand if you care that much is if you're providing really deep, meaningful insights into the customers that they're trying to serve and their business operations as well. So an insight broker is someone who really understands that their job as a digital marketer isn't, like I said, just performance and lever pulling, but it's they're really selling the insights that they can pull out of the incredible data-rich um, platforms like Google being uh, Facebook and all of those and delivering it to their, like I said, their bosses or their clients in a way that they really kind of understand it. And they, they have those epiphany aha moments that then leads to a bunch of cool other activities that extend well beyond just the, the digital marketing channels. So how, how do you actually gain your insights then? Have you got any positive examples that you can tell us about? So I think it really starts with two character traits, which is like obsessive and curiosity. And and so it's really like the people who are really good at being insight brokers are those people who, when they're trying to go to bed at night, there's just like a question from their day that's itching the back of their brain and they have a hard time getting to sleep until they really think about it and try to understand it and maybe even come up with a plan of action for how they're going to answer that question or find the answer to that question. And so it's, it's the people that are kind of always walking around with their head down with, you know, scratching the side of their face and you can tell they're thinking deeply about something. It's really that that then leads you to look into the data and try to uncover what's going on. Um, one, one example is, so, so we had a client who had been with us for about six months. They were a highly, highly seasonal business, did something like 80% of the revenue in just three or four months and not, not Q4, like some e-commerce business. This was actually early spring. And the first four months or so that they were with us, it was all about campaign structure and build out and strategy and keyword research and all those things to put us in a position to be successful once the high season hit. And just like one or two weeks into the high season, performance wasn't there. We were down, I forget what it was, maybe five or 10% year over year. And there was a lot of questions coming to us of, did we pick the wrong strategy? Are you guys doing the wrong stuff? How are we going to recover? And 
our, our team had to fight really hard not to, you know, not to overcompensate on like the account structure side. Like we looked at our other accounts. We, we do what we called pattern matching or anyone else having these issues. You know, we have our structure that tends to work for us. And did we follow that best practice and all of that and everything pointed to, you know, we seem to be doing the right stuff. It's just obviously not leading to the right result. And so the team got that obsessive curiosity, itchy brain syndrome and started looking into the account, to the website and everything like that. And the question that was really kind of scratching their brain was, you know, the beginning of the season, what we heard was we had more inventory. The client had more inventory than they'd ever had. And that's why they were expecting such a big season. But what we were seeing on the back end was a much lower average order value than they had the previous year. So, you know, looking at analytics, trying to figure out how those two things kind of coexisted, we went to the website and what we realized is they had a lot of inventory for one-off sales, but their bulk orders, which, which actually wasn't a large number of orders, but was a very high value, they didn't have the inventory there. And so we were able to go back to the client and say, hey, we can see the issue. You're selling far fewer bulk orders because on these five most you know, common products that you sold last year and generated the most revenue from, they're all sold out of bulk orders. And they were really quickly within like a week be able to change their inventory up to get um, the ability to deliver bulk orders. And the next, you know, month, certainly, they were not just, you know, hitting goals, but they actually were exceeding them and breaking breaking records. And so that, that's what we mean. You know, it's that curiosity to really dive in and understand what's going on and not look at just the obvious stuff um, to come across what what the real solution is. So this isn't necessarily something that's completely brand new then. It, it, it's maybe a case of just putting a new name to it maybe? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a marketer, so we'd like to name everything and like to do stuff fancy like that. So that's part of it. But but it's also like a, a come from, right? And so if you just think of yourself as a digital marketer, you know, you're going to think of yourself as executing in channels and crafting strategy and all that. If you think of yourself as an insight broker, sure, you have to do that other stuff well, but hopefully you're thinking of yourself more as the value you create is very different than just performance. So has a client then ever responded, you know, negatively or angrily to an insight that you shared with them? Angrily, I don't know, but certainly I can say we've been fired before by a client for giving them some insights. Now, you know, the one I can think of off the top of my head was not just fired us, but actually quit PPC altogether because it kind of became obvious that it wasn't going to work for them. Um, So in this case, it was a specialty insurance company that had a lot of success in Europe, tremendous success over there and brought their products to the U.S., and initially, they were working with some other agency here in the States, and they weren't happy with performance, so they asked us to audit the account, which for us is usually, you know, 100 hours or so worth of work and, you know, a 100-page deck that comes out of a really in-depth process. But after looking at the account for like a half an hour, it became really obvious to us that they weren't going to be successful with the way they were doing it. It was stuff like all broad match keywords, and some of the keywords were like just insurance. So they were just bidding when people were, were looking for insurance, even though they had a very, very specific product that they were trying to sell and educate a new market on. And so we called the client and said, hey, we 
actually don't want to necessarily proceed in this. We're not just going to go through this process for, for the sake of going through the process. If we created a whole deck for you, it'd be a hundred slides of the same thing over and over again. So, you know, here's some tips on what you need to fix. But in reality, you know, this is, this is like a do-over for you. And so, you know, we, we actually ended up winning the business out of that and went ahead and started working with the client. But even about two months in, after we restructured everything and got it dialed in, the next insight was the market here was just too expensive for them to play in. Um, their cost per click was as much as they wanted their uh, cost per sale to be. And so, you know, unless they had a 100% conversion rate, it just wasn't going to make sense. So, of course, we went a few more months of trying to figure things out with them, trying to find less expensive keywords and all of that. But we eventually just had to have that conversation of, hey, this this just maybe isn't the right market for you. Maybe the U.S. isn't going to be viable for you. And that led to them doing two things. One, they looked at other products that they started offering in the U.S. So they asked us to do some research on, well, what kind of specialty insurance is popular in the U.S.? And could we afford to plan? So we got them that information. And then what countries outside of Europe could we also plan? And so we talked about some South American countries that had a market for it that we were able to um, show them had some potential. So um, they ended up going those routes, um, which was really a core business change. And ultimately, they ended up stopped working with us because we pushed them to different countries than we had experience in. So, so even though that that was maybe a negative on the, the side of you guys as for your agency um for that company you, you did help them tremendously um it just happens that you you ended up helping them by pointing them in a direction that led them ultimately away from yourself yeah i, I hope so i hope so you know the the um, executive of that company ended up years later, um, probably two or three years later, hiring us for a different company that he had then moved to. Um, so I, I think that he found valuable in it and got that we were trying to, to look out for their interests. And that's kind of how we view it, right? As an agency, most of your clients are going to come from referrals or people that move on to other companies, that kind of stuff. And so for us, it's you know always not about the the kind of short-term gain. Um, it's more of a, a long-term plan and you feel better about doing that. And, and, it, and to me, that's more of what an inside broker is, is you're, you're doing more interesting, exciting, fun work for clients that you feel like you can make a really big difference for. And, and sometimes, like you said, that means you don't work together that long, um, but you still are able to feel like you created value. So do, do the platforms that you mentioned before, like Google and, and Facebook, et cetera, do they provide any resources to agencies like yours that are useful for brands? They they do. Um, part of it is they probably provide an overwhelming amount, <laughs> depending on who you're working with. And part of of you know the the inside broker's job is to cool it down into something that's that's meaningful. And that really requires a deep level of expertise in the industry as well as the specific account you're working in to really be able to spot what's going on. So you know, for example, you can usually ask. Um, well, well, to step back a little bit, Google has a lot of different ways they work with agencies and it really depends, agencies and in-house, and it really depends on your spend levels and everything like that. So there's the 1-800 number that anyone who's in Google ads can call and um, 
you know, ask some questions for to vary various varying degrees of helpfulness. There's, you know, once you get a little bit of spend under management, kind of a small business program that could be an agency or in house where you have a direct line, someone you can call to someone you can email, but again, they might have a hundred other accounts or maybe more in their book of business. So you're not going to get a ton of time. And then you have, you know, large agencies like ourselves. There's probably maybe a hundred, maybe less that have like a team and this team only works on, you know, your, your book of business and really, helps provide a lot of insights. And then there's large brands that also get their own teams. And so like as an agency, we have our big team as well as we probably have 10 or 15 clients that also have their own individual teams, which is kind of interesting complexity to try to get stuff done, but also provides a lot of varying perspectives on what's going on. And and within that framework, as long as you have some kind of dedicated support, you can usually get Google to provide kind of an industry insights report. And so you can say, hey, I want to report on the auto automotive industry. And they'll send you a deck. They can do them really quickly. I think it's just a couple buttons, but it might be 40 slides long. And it's just 40 slides of screenshots of different graphs, like what cost per click's done over time and what click-through rate's done and impressions, all those kinds of things. And that's what I mean. Like you have to be able to look at that and say, okay, of these 40, which of them are really interesting and are telling me something, which requires you to know the industry, know what the outliers would look like and look at your account and say, this is different than what I'm seeing or um, maybe the same, but it supports what I'm seeing. And just a quick example of that, we had a client that we pulled this for. Out of those 40 slides, there was one that jumped out to us and it was a slide of the available impressions for this, uh, for the keywords within this industry. And the available impressions at the start of Q4 had doubled. Click stayed the same, click through rate dropped obviously because more available ad inventory and the same number of clicks. Cost per click stayed the same, which was interesting, but impressions doubled. And in our account, the interesting thing we saw, we also saw performance start dropping in the account. And we were trying to recover it, which is why we recover from it, which is why we asked for, for this report to be pulled. And we never were able to figure out why impressions doubled. I mean, I've never seen that in my 20 years of doing this, just in one month over month comparison to have that big of an impact. But what we were able to ascertain is that it was likely our ads were showing for different folks than they used to show for. Because if clicks have stayed the same, but impressions doubled, it's unlikely that you know, you're showing all to the same audience the second time. And what we were able to do with that is when we increase budget, so let's maybe capture more of that market that's out there. Um, we use more automated bidding tools. Well, let's let Google choose where to show our ad then since we don't have control and insight into you know, only show to this specific audience. Uh, in that same same way that they do, um, and then we also explored other channels to help us figure it out. So so anyway, that's that's an example of them just providing forty slides of data. You got to figure out what within that's really important and insightful, and then you know how it supports or changes your strategy. So is is this something that you can do in house that you don't necessarily need to hire an agency like 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 yours um, to go out and and do? Is it therefore just a mindset that kind of needs changing within the organization? Yeah, it's definitely a mindset thing. I do think you can do it in-house for sure. Uh, sometimes in-house folks don't have access to dedicated reps. Or, you know, There's spend thresholds that have to be met. And there's other times that you don't have enough perspective. So one thing we hear, so we actually work with a lot of in-house teams. It's an in-house company. We don't really fully manage their their 
their digital marketing, but we do team up with them and help provide really perspective. Because the one thing an agency can do that it's really hard to do in-house is pattern match across various accounts, various industries, and usually have a wider breadth of, of resources. Like I said, we have a dedicated team plus 10 or 15 other teams that are dedicated to specific accounts. And so, yeah, it's, just, it's hard to have that perspective in-house, but certainly you can do it. So it's almost kind of like just having that that second pair of eyes almost. So yes. and and that's all it is. It's just having that that person that is completely independent almost just coming in and going, well actually you're not seeing this, but the reason why you're not seeing this is cuz you're basically not looking for it. Yeah, I think that's right. And and going back to my example earlier where we found the inventory issues, without the perspective that our other accounts were doing fine and good and the structure we had you know, tended to work really well for us, the the inclination may have been to go back and restructure the account or to blame, you know, macroeconomics or something like that for the, the trend in performance instead of continuing to look deeper and deeper and, and spotting the fact that those bulk orders, which like I said, were actually pretty small volumes, were, were fairly easy to, to miss and not think about, um, would have been easy to miss that as the, the issue and the opportunity. Is it something that you can actually, I suppose, do you think it, it's future-proof in, in terms of the way that these big companies like Google, Microsoft, Facebook, everybody is going towards machine learning at the moment. Um, do you think this is going to be still possible when that is all kind of being implemented by those those big search engines and, and big organizations? I do think so, but there is a troubling trend with that. So a lot of them are, are launching things that, that they conveniently call smart campaigns, which is you click a couple buttons and launch a campaign and there's no insight into who it's showing for, what's showing, what you're bidding, you know, what the keyword someone searches for um, that actually showed your ad. There's just, there's not visibility into that. Now, those tend to be solutions for more of really small businesses that aren't going to hire an agency, probably aren't even going to hire an in-house team, just want the ability to launch some campaigns and have some spend out there. But there's still this, this issue, I think, with visibility into when Google, Google is using something like target CPA bidding. So you just say, I want to pay $100 per sale. Google, you go out there and you find me sales at $100 there really is a lack of understanding into what um, what factors it's considering and how heavily it's weighting those factors. And so, you know, what, what I'll, I'll give an example. So I was at a Microsoft event um, recently and they were all talking about AI and how important it was and all these cool tools they had. And they talked about it from, they developed this tool for um, doctors and for a doctor to be able to quickly diagnose the risk of a patient being admitted to a hospital um, for catching pneumonia. So this is pretty important. You know, they want to change their care plan if that's a high risk factor. And what the, the doctors kept coming back to Microsoft and saying, hey, a lot of times this is working, but there's sometimes it gives us really weird outcomes. It says that patients are really low risk and we think they should be probably high risk. And so we think something's going on, but we don't know. We can't see what the algorithms, you know, using to determine those factors. And so all we can tell you is it seems weird. Well, Microsoft then built a tool on top of this prediction, machine learning, AI algorithm that allowed them to get that visibility. It said, okay, we'll show you for this specific patient what risk factors we considered and kind of show you the math behind why we're saying they're high risk or low risk. 
And what they were able to do from that is see that there was two instances specifically where the machine wasn't working very well, that Microsoft could change their algorithm and doctors could change the way they use the tool. One was for patients, so by age, there's a higher risk of pneumonia based on, based on your higher range of age. But if you were over something like 100 years old, it said your risk went down to zero. When the real issue was there just wasn't a lot of patients being admitted to a hospital over 100 years old. And so they needed to adjust that or doctors needed to understand, hey, I need to ignore this for certain patients on certain age ranges. The second thing was it said patients who were admitted who had asthma had a near zero chance of getting pneumonia. And that's the exact opposite. Um, I guess, I'm not a doctor, but I guess the folks with asthma have a very high likelihood of catching pneumonia while they're in, in a hospital. But the, the thing was, as soon as a doctor finds out that a patient has asthma, they change their care plan. So what the algorithm was actually showing or the machine learning was showing is doctors were pretty good at keeping patients who have asthma from getting pneumonia, but that was because of their good care, not because it was a low risk. So I don't know what Microsoft did based on that. I don't know if they changed their algorithm or, or doctors just ignored it for folks with asthma, but I was able to say, okay, most of the time this works, but you know, in these two instances, these two edge cases, um, you need to either ignore it or we need to change the algorithm. And that's, that's what I want to see for like bidding algorithms. I don't need you to tell me how much you bid on every single person or anything like that, but give me buckets. Do you bid up for men versus women or for certain geographies? Do you bid up based on different audiences or there, do you ignore mobile devices because our website doesn't convert on that? Build something on top of your machine learning that's doing all this really smart bidding on my behalf that gives me some visibility into what's going on. And that's partly to pull out insights that will really help inform other decisions across an entire business. But it's also partly just for accountability. You know, Google had an issue recently where for two days, maybe longer, they had data inaccuracies in their interfaces. So we don't know what was inaccurate or what wasn't, but we just know there was an issue that they had. How do we know that doesn't happen in their algorithms? How do we know there's not times when they're not bidding at all when they should be and other times when they're doing crazy stuff that is no way we would ever want them to be doing it that way? Like We need that visibility. So that's the rant I'm on lately. And anytime I can bend someone at Google or being at Microsoft or Facebook's ear, I'm, I'm talking about this because it doesn't seem that hard. They were able to do it for doctors. Why can't they do it for us? And to me, it's like ultimately, you're just asking us all to, to give you our money, to pay you a bunch of money and for you just to make the best decisions on our behalf without involving us in that conversation. So that's my hope is we, 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 that transparency comes along with the innovations. And um, I think if enough of us rant and, and, and talk about it, that we'll get it. That's really interesting, actually, Jeff, because as you say there, maybe, maybe it's something to do with the fact that with doctors, that's, that's, that's human life. That's, and maybe it just ranks higher in the, you know, in, in the scale of what's important. And, and maybe it is just sort of like, well, you know, we'll listen to doctors because they look after our, our mums, our dads, our children, ourselves, what, what do marketers do? I, I don't know if that's anything like what is actually going on there, but um, it, it's really interesting to sort of look at it and go, well, yeah, you're still going to need uh, a human to actually go into it and, and and pull out the bits that are actually relevant and to then spot the mistakes as well. 
Yeah. And as a human, like I'm glad <laughs> that, that people wait, you know, human life higher than marketing dollars. So I, I don't have any, you know, issue with that. I, I obviously the, it should be like that, but it's just that give us some, some of that. You can do it. If you can do it, it seems like you'd want to. And if, if you don't, then if, if I guess it feels intentional. So if you choose not to do it, if, if the platforms choose not to give us any visibility and that's intentional, you know, that, that to me is the issue. You don't trust us. You don't think we're very smart. You don't think we'll make the right decisions or like, is this about shareholders and making sure that you can always grow your revenue and having it a black box makes it really easy to do things like add a penny bid to every single advertiser on your network and, you know, have good growth numbers. So with this being such a, a new aspect of marketing, how do you actually get an audience with someone in the C-suite to, to provide them with their insights? Is it hard to get yourself in front of the right people? It's so difficult. It's so difficult. I think some of it is, like you mentioned, it's a new industry. And most companies, this is, this is different now, but when I got started in early 2000s, most companies went to like their IT department and said, Hey, there's this thing, it's called Google. It's kind of techie, you know, will you do it? And so a lot of people who got into it were like IT professionals who were doing managing, you know, paid search on the side. And it was pretty low priority within the organization. Um, and it evolved that way for like 10 years, you know, now it's becoming more of a serious profession that people can go to school and get degrees for, and the money's becoming more real. So it's, it's elevating a little bit, but to my, my experience, a lot of times the, the C-suite, you know, it, it's kind of the last thing on their mind, but, the, but I think there's a few things you can do. So one of them is, you know, a client may pay us $10,000 a month. But they may be paying Google, you know, $100,000 a month. So if we can get someone from Google to go with us to a client and send the meeting for us, it's much higher likelihood that the executive will show up because, you know, the amount they're paying just kind of the priority of that just went up. But also there's still something cool about Google or Facebook or Microsoft or whoever sitting in your office. Like for a lot of folks, that's still a pretty unique experience. And so they want to do that. So, so taking partners with you at least some of the times can help. Um, there's, a, there's a person named Tom Critchlow who writes a phenomenal blog. He's kind of like a I don't know, independent strategist. I'm probably doing a bad job explaining it, but he's a marketing guy, but it's really more broad than that. And he talks about, you know, being strategic by broadening the context of your work. Don't just viewing your work as pulling levers and getting performance in digital marketing. Understand what the organization as a whole is trying to do and what that context is and speak more to that broader context. If an executive hears, hey, our agency is going to come in and talk about, you know, paid search, it's really easy for an executive to say, hey, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm good. I'm going to go to lunch instead or whatever it is. But if they say, hey, our, our digital marketing agency is coming in and they have some really cool insights about our inventory and where we need to be invested more in and maybe some of the inventory that's not moving. And they're also going to talk about paid search performance. That's more likely to actually catch an executive's eye. So, so I would take out, check out Tom Critchlow's stuff. He's a phenomenal writer and writes some really interesting stuff about how to broaden that context. And then another thing is, even if they're not in the room, it doesn't mean they're not listening. And so there's some aspect of 
being okay speaking into the wind, so to speak, just kind of talking and talking and sending the emails and sending the decks and explaining the context and finding the insights with a little bit of trust that whoever you are able to get an audience with is elevating those conversations if they're, they're useful and meaningful enough. Um, and so, you know, I had, I still have a client that has been with us for six or seven years. I haven't seen their highest ranking marketing executive face to face in probably two or three years, even though I go there every quarter and meet with their team. But every quarter I get kind of a report on what's on that executive's mind and what he's liked and what has been interesting to him and, you know, problems he's trying to solve that then we talk to the team and they roll it back to them. So, you know, even if you can't get a face-to-face audience, you still got to share this stuff and talk about it and, and create meaningful enough insights that, and trust that it makes it to the right people. So what are some of the tools that you actually use, Jeff, uh, in, in doing this particular work? Uh, so there's some free stuff. Um, so if, in Facebook, if you go to a company's page, there's a little link to a, a section called info and ads, and it will show, you know, what ads basically your competitors are currently showing. And that to me is pretty insightful. You tend to see what discounts they're running. Do they run discounts? Do they run, you know, holiday based discounts or is it every day something different? Um, what kind of imagery are they using? Is it professional or is it fun? Um, you know, how are they highlighting the features and benefits of their products and, and all that. And so just going into Facebook and clicking on that is one of the first things I do if I'm trying to think through competitive strategy and find some insights and comparing what we're doing to our competition. There's another company called Moat, M-O-A-T, that has a paid analytics tool that's pretty cool, but also just has a free tool. You can type in a URL and it will show you any of their display ads they're showing. And I, I think maybe have shown in the last year or something like that. And so you can also get an idea there on what their approach is. Um, and you can also see things like, are they doing remarketing well? Because by looking at their ads, you'll be able to tell are those ads targeting return visitors to their website who might have abandoned something in their car and they're trying to pull them back or, you know, are they ignoring that part? And that will tell you one, where they see value and two, maybe how sophisticated they are and provide some insights on, on what the competition's doing there. Um, there's some paid tools too. SEM Rush is a great tool that we use that has a ton of details, including some of those, but as well as some insights into keywords that folks are searching for, um, how those keywords compare to what your competitors are bidding on, things like that. Um, and SpyFu is another similar tool um, that we use as well. So we use kind of a combination of looking in the accounts we're managing, looking at these free tools and trying to understand what's going on, and then a couple paid tools as well. This is very much something that definitely other people you could go and do yourself and, and just go and have a look around those, uh, you know, those, those avenues at that, the Facebook info and ad section, for example, just as a way in almost into doing the sort of thing that you're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. This, this part, you know, I don't even know if you need that much pattern matching, as I talked about earlier, even depth of industry experience. This part really is just kind of looking at what's out there. It goes back to being obsessive and, and curious. And so being willing and, and kind of wanting to do that and continuing to go until you really find insights. And once you see something questioning why it is that way. Is it because maybe the person you're looking at is not great at what they do and so you don't want to copy it or is it really smart and actually something you should copy or, or whatnot? So um, yeah, that's more of just curious people can, can figure that out, I think. 
and and even like SEM Rush and SpyFu and and other various tools, they're not that expensive. Um, I forget what they are, but I think there's some pretty low entry points um, to be able to test those out. So finally, then, Jeff, do, do you think you need to change who you're hiring? You know, to shift into being more of a of an insight broker. I, I guess that partly depends on who you're currently hiring. So, um, if what I found and what I did earlier in my career was focused way more on the technical skills. Can this person figure out how to change bids and do an analysis in Excel? Do they know how to do pivot tables? You know, all that kind of stuff. And then secondarily, okay, can they also communicate it to clients um, or in-house or whatever it may be? Um, and now it's it's more about do they have the right traits? So I've probably said it five or six times now, but are they curious? Are they obsessive? We have a term for it internally because we're marketers, like I said, and you have to term everything as anxiety. So just taking Hannapin and anxiety and combining them, there's a certain level of anxiety where you walk around wondering, you know, what you're missing or what else you could find, or is there something interesting that you haven't uncovered yet? And we look for that very intentionally in our hiring process to the questions we ask, but even more importantly, the questions we're asked in that process. Like when I'm doing interviews, I ask two questions to start. One question is, what do you think of our hiring process? Because our hiring process is really long, really intense. And I want people who like that because having a job is really long and really intense. And the second question I have is, hey, before I get to all my list of questions, what questions do you have for me? And if someone doesn't have any questions at that point, that's a red flag to me. Like, this is a new job. You've talked to a bunch of people on our team. You should have a ton of questions that you haven't had answered yet. And so I look for those things on the front end. And then instead of looking for the technical side first, I flipped it to looking at the communication side first. If this person can uncover insights, if they can find interesting stuff, are they able to communicate it in a way that folks are going to be able to hear it? And if they can, of course, there's some base level of technical skills they have to have, but I can teach them most of the rest. We can teach them the rest. We have the process, the systems, the training programs to teach people how to find these insights and, and to do the account work and everything like that. But I don't, I don't know. Maybe you can. I don't know if you can teach someone to be curious or to obsess over details or to you know, lay awake at night wondering about one campaign that you just want to find some interesting insight in. Ongoing training is so, so important. So we give our people more training in a year than pilots have to go through in a year. It's really, really important as frequently as things change and as more and more tools are developed that businesses in-house and agencies, whatever it is, invest time and energy into training and not just plopping people in front of computers and reading blog posts, although that's part of it, but really in-depth training, you know, however that looks, going to workshops, going to conferences, um, or, you know, bringing someone in house with outside perspectives to do trainings and things like that. Like that's so critical to our industry and really the only way that you're going to keep evolving the insights you're able to find. My thanks to Jeff Allen of Hannapin. You can find out more about what Jeff does and his agency at hannapinmarketing.com. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, share us with your friends and colleagues. I'll be back with another Tech Demand Weekly podcast next week. <laughs>